Hello and welcome to episode 48 of Photofacts Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Trawick. Jim is not with me today because you are in... Well, you're here with me in the bathtub. I'm actually taking a bath. I warned you before, so hopefully you guys actually saw that post. So this is your Photofax Podcast Bathtub Edition. So thank you guys so much for being here today. So if you do hear some noise every once in a while, it's probably the water running or me just trying to get kind of settled into the bathtub. Um... Great day today. We had a uh, our annual holiday lights photo walk in Bricktown. It was uh, a blast. We had quite a few people come out. And, um, oh, I hate doing that and dumb. Don't you hate that? Every time I listen to my podcast and I say that, it just like, drives me insane. However, since we don't have any real sponsors right now, we can do whatever we want. Yes, that's me shifting in the bathtub. The photo walk was great, a little chilly. Um, God, I think we had, uh, uh, I guess count off the top of my head, we probably had 12 people show up. Some people left early. I know a lot of people couldn't make it because of the weather, and we had no idea that a Thunder game was going on, so parking was absolutely crazy. Normally, we try and do this at the beginning part of December, but we've been pretty busy as well as everybody else with the holiday season, so this was the only time we could get it done before Christmas. Trying not to touch my little board. Hopefully you guys saw the little bathtub caddy or shelf that I built. And I had something really, really important that I was going to share with you. Um, and I can't. I, I can't share that with you right now. Um, I was actually going to get on my stoke box and voice my opinion about some things that have happened in our great state of Oklahoma recently. But I, I'm i going to hold off until I have more information. Uh, most people that know me probably understand that I get my majority of my exercise from jumping to conclusions. So we're not going to touch on that topic right now, but I suspect that we'll be doing that before the end of the year, just so I can get out of my system before 2015. So speaking of 2015, I should have some background music or something. I don't... Jim, when you get some background music uh, in the cart, let's see, what's this one right here? No, that one's horrible. Oh, yeah, that one, that, that's, that's a, a bumper. That's a cute bumper. So um, 2015 is upon us. This is the time for planning and getting ready for what are you going to do for 2015. So I know that we have uh, listeners that are professionals, some that are semi-pros, and we have some people that just enjoy the passion of photography, regardless of any kind of financial income. What are you going to do better in 2015? What are your goals? What are your aspirations? And I don't want to say more importantly, but to Jim and I, what can we do to help you achieve those? Uh, you know, besides the fact of giving you like a million dollars or something. So that's not what we're going to do. So... We would like to hear from our listeners and what we can do as a podcast that wants to give back to the community and help others enjoy photography and financial success. We want to help you. 
but you got to tell us what you need. That's that's the number one thing. You got to tell us what you need so we can try and cater it to you guys. Otherwise, we're going to continue to have our Seinfeld-styled episodes, except for the Imaging USA. I want to harp on this just an, uh, one more time. Um, we've been invited to come to Imaging USA and run a couple of podcasts, and we are extremely excited. And we're going to have the opportunity to interview some of the speakers before imaging, as well as hopefully get some time with them during imaging, even maybe even after imaging. So if you're looking at your schedule for 2015, um, I know a lot of people that I talk to and that I associate with, they're, they're basically are several, just off the top of my head, convention style shows, trade shows, expos that are on their list to attend every year. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and slam one or the other. I have my own personal preferences. And, uh, you know, if you email me, I'll share those with you directly. However, I cannot stress enough the importance of being a member of the PPA. That's my personal opinion. Take it for what it's worth. I know that there are a lot of great photographers out there that are not a member of the PPA. And it really pains me to see the talent pool that's available out there that are short-sighted. Maybe because I'm older, maybe because I've been through more experiences, and there's a part of me probably at their young age, in their 20s and early 30s, I would probably stub my nose up at any type of structured organization anyway, especially with the Facebook and uh, YouTube and all the other resources that are available online. But... There is no other nonprofit organization that is lobbying for your rights as a photographer. That's whether you belong to the PPA or not. We're still going to look after your rights the best we can. We're going to continue to work in the copyright field to make sure that your rights as a photographer are not short-sighted by the government, whether you pay the membership dues or not. And the fact that now they offer um, great education online. You've always had a great forum of like-minded individuals that love photography, but are also in the business of photography. And that's two different things. And we're going to try and work on that in 2015. We're going to try and work on some more business structured, structured episodes to try and get you the information you need, if you want, to succeed in photography. Jim and I do not have all the answers, but we we have some of the answers. Okay, this is kind of starting to get boring, and I'm not a boring guy, and I like to be upbeat. So without my information that I was going to pass on to you, get up on my soapbox... Let's talk about something fun. Can we talk about something fun? Let's talk about something fun. All right. So something fun. Here it is. I received an email. Uh, you know, I'm not even going to say who it was from. I, I received an email and in the email, it brought back the same question about Canon or Nikon. And what were your decisions on picking one system or another? 
Uh, basically, the email went along the lines of the father was locked into one system, the daughter decided to buy into a different system, and it doesn't make sense to duplicate all the equipment, you know, the lenses, the flashes, the gizmos, the remotes, whatever the case may be, on two complete separate systems. And he was asking, what system do you use? Why do you use it? And which one should I choose? Nikon or Canon? So I thought that'd be a great podcast for our listeners. So let's uh, let's start this off with the most simplest thing. Just shoot Nikon, everything be fine. No, no, just teasing. That was a joke. I didn't want you guys to jump to the conclusions or anything. Everyone that knows me knows that I am uh, on the Nikon bandwagon. But did you know I shot Canon before? Yes, I, I did shoot Canon for, I think, almost three years. I also shot Olympus. Um, one of my first cameras that I photographed with in um, high school was a Canon. I photographed Pentax. I used Pentax cameras. I used Mamiya cameras. I used the Hasselblad. I've used a multitude of cameras. And what it boils down to is just a tool. It, it Now, let's just try and make some light on this just so you guys can get some perspective. There are so many photographers that are rant and rave over one model over another. You know, I would like to know if other if other professions do the same thing. You know, are there carpenters out there that are sitting around having a beer, talking about what they did for the day? Well, I was building a roof. I was building some cabinets, you know. And, oh my God, I just picked up this new XYZ hammer. And, oh my God, you cannot build a house unless you have this XYZ hammer. It's the best thing out there. It's well-balanced. It's made well. But it's expensive. You're going to pay some money for it. But, oh, you're not a professional unless you use XYZ hammer. And then on the other side, the young kid comes out and said, oh, I use ZYX hammer. And the ZYX has got, you know, better technology and a better head. And it hits the nail perfectly every single time. And, and, and if you don't have this hammer, you're not a professional. Can we please stop? That's just what I'm asking. Let's just stop. I mean, there's lots of jokes about Canon and Nikon. I tell most of the jokes I have all the time. I think it's funny. But what it boils down to, it is just a light tight box with a hole in it. Okay, so there's some, you know, high high end electronics stuck in there. But you would think that based on how people read the specs of cameras these days and constantly change their camera and upgrade their camera systems that we never took a good photograph before digital or before we had, you know, 20 megapixel image sensors. It's just really crazy. So, whatever camera you have, and I don't even care if it's an iPhone camera. I mean, I'm seeing a lot more in the news now that, you know, mobile cameras, the technology is is pretty amazing. And there are people selling stock images of their mobile camera photos online and making money. So the camera is just a camera. But I'm going to give you just a little bit more for Christmas. I tried to come up with some kind of quick little quirk about it was the night before Christmas and all through the camera shop, the cameras were, oh, 
I hear some noise. Let's pause for a minute because I'm in the bathtub. Okay, sorry about that interruption. My wife um, just walked through the bathroom and looked at me like I had completely lost my mind. I am sure that many of our listeners will probably think the same. If you know me, well, then you already know that I've lost my mind. If you happen to find it, please give me a call or text me at 405-620-5505. So now on with our story. Now, I'm not sure that you can find really any of this information online. I could be wrong. This is my interpretation of why the camera's systems, mainly Nikon and Canon, are where they are today. So, first off, let's start by Nikon made the shutters for Canon cameras for years. And Nikon decided to venture into their own camera system. Everything was hunky-dory fine. A camera was merely a light-type box with a shutter in it. There were a couple of advancements in metering technology, uh, flash sync speed versus your X flash bulb speed. Um, but basically what it boiled down to was a very durable camera that you could load film in, and the technology was kind of built into the film. And then along comes autofocus. So a few people have not shot with autofocus. Before autofocus, we had a manual focus lens. We had a viewfinder, a screen inside the camera, normally with a micro prism around it that you would rotate the lens barrel back and forth and then the image would become clear on the screen in the viewfinder. And now you just hit a button, you hear a little beep, or maybe you have your beep turned off, you get some kind of confirmation inside the viewfinder. Bam, Bob's your uncle, you're in focus. I think it's awesome. However, the first autofocus cameras, while they were technology, inc incredible technology for that time, oh my God, we've come such a long way. Absolutely a long way. I believe one of the first uh, autofocus cameras that Nikon cranked out for the public was the N2020. You know, get it? I'm sure they sat around for a long time and thought, hmm. What kind of numbers can we use? Oh, it's autofocus. Let's use 2020. Mm, yes. Um, I, I owned that camera. It was a it was a great autofocus, manual focus with autofocus confirmation. Because most people didn't use it autofocus. We just switched back to manual and just use it the way we are were accustomed to using it. So anyway, so Nikon and Canon did not even invent autofocus. I believe that went to Minolta. So Minolta has this autofocus camera that is now the rage, and Nikon and Canon are going, oh my God, dude, we have to do something about this. So on one hand, you have Canon, which is a huge company compared to Nikon. Nikon is a very small company. They just make imaging products, binoculars, scopes, cameras, optics. Microscopes, they make microscopes, great little microscopes. Canon, on the other hand, is a huge conglomerate. They have been in the video business. They have been in the uh, copy and imaging business for so long. They have great research. They have a, lots and lots of clients, customers, loyal fans of Canon. 
Well, I believe Canon came to the conclusion that they really wanted to be the absolute best autofocus system. And they realized pretty quickly that the lens mount they had at the time, the FD mount, just wasn't going to cut it. Okay. Uh, Minolta was using a screw autofocus system. The body had a motor in it. You would put the lens on. The motor would engage through the bayonet mount to the lens. And there'd be a little screw drive that would basically focus the lenses. And it was slow and noisy. Canon decided to put their research department to work. And they developed the lens first. Make us the absolute best autofocus lens you can make. Regardless of what it looks like. Regardless of what the mount is. And once you develop it, we're going to build a camera to match it. Okay, so that led to the production of the EOS, Electronic Operating System Cameras, your autofocus. And I have to tell you, when it hit the market, absolutely drove the autofocus industry to new heights because they were absolutely, hands down, the best. There was no way... Anyone could touch them at all. So once the autofocus system, and they had the best, what kind of photographers do you think were attracted to this new autofocus system? Well, you know, you have wildlife photographers, you have sports photographers, uh, people that shoot action. Uh, those are the people that really kind of went around and gathered around this new camera. Now, honestly... Canon being such a huge company, they could afford to lose some clients, lose some customers because they changed the lens mount. Because understand, this new lens mount was incompatible with the old one. Your manual focus lenses would not work on the new system. You had to buy into the new system if you wanted autofocus. That means replacing thousands of dollars of great glass because you want to be on autofocus. I think Canon was large enough that they were able to absorb that fairly easily. And the camera autofocus system was just so incredible that many photographers jumped over to Canon. Well, as you have these photographers around this great autofocus system, the autofocus systems really need a lot of light to come in so they can autofocus properly. So Canon started pushing to faster lenses, not the autofocus systems, although they did that as well, but they went towards lenses with a wide aperture that allowed a lot of light in. The F1.8, the F1.4, the F1.2. Canon has an 85 1.2 that I have been tempted so many times to figure out some way of mounting that thing on my Nikon because it is just a sweet piece of glass. So if you're a Nikon fan the way I am, it's okay to be jealous of somebody else's lens. It's all right. And we're not going to bash them over the head with our Nikon and steal their lens, but the thought may cross your mind, and that's perfectly okay. So with that, when you have those fast lenses that let in so much light so that the autofocus system can work properly and fast, you really don't need to invest a lot in flash. So I think that in the beginning, Canon's flash system suffered. 
It suffered dramatically, and, and I know. I wish I shot the 10D, the 20D, and the 30D. Okay, and in between those, I borrowed some different higher-end cameras. The 1DS Mark I. Incredible freaking cameras. I loved them, but their flash system was such a hit and miss, it was horrible. You practically had to use their flash system on manual because the ETTL system didn't work. In fact, in fact, I remember having a Canon 550 flash and sending a support message to Canon uh, through CPS, the Canon Professional Services, and them telling me, yes, that flash has been um, approved to shoot with digital cameras, even though it was almost an eight-year-old flash that was designed with film. And, well, okay, Canon, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to tell you like it is. You, you were lying. Hurt my feelings. Um, and again, folks, just in case you want to know, these are just my opinions. So let's not be calling up Canon and making any kind of crazy decisions because Robert said so. However, if you will, oh yes, if you feel inclined to switch systems, please talk to several people first before you do that. So at the same time, we had the smaller company, Nikon, that has been making cameras for a long time. It's a camera that is a, I just, you know, I can't, I don't have the exact words I can express on the podcast. The camera just felt good. It was well built. It did what it needed to do. I mean, you could really take photographs in the morning time and use the base plate of a Nikon F2 to hammer in nails if you needed to do so. These things were built tough. Um, they were absolutely incredible cameras. And they were a staple to photojournalists around the world. It was very funny that we commented many times in the Air Force as a photographer that if you happen to kill another combat photographer um, you know, from another nation or uh, it, when we would go to multinational um, exercises, their photographers were using Nikon. You know, it was always the rare one that had like a Canon or a Pentax or maybe they'll shoot with a medium format exclusively and no 35 millimeter. But Nikon was the king in that photojournalist area. So being a much smaller company, Nikon really, you know, financially, they really could not lose a huge client base by changing the lens mount. They wanted to maintain the loyal client as well as the functionality of the entire system. They didn't want to create a brand new system from scratch. They wanted you to be able to use any camera with any lens. So they did not change the lens mount. Today, still today, the Nikon F mount is the exact same one that the original F had. That's incredible. Um... Just for fun, just for fun, I took a an older Nikon 135 uh, 2.8 lens, manual focus. Uh, I have to look at it. But I believe it was built in the early 70s. And I slapped that on my new Nikon digital camera. Now, obviously, not all the features are going to work. 
and you have to manual focus. It's not going to mysteriously start autofocus, autofocusing because you have an autofocus camera. But I was able to take great shots with it. Now, contrast wasn't probably as good as it should be, but we're talking about a lens that was built in the 70s, way before they had the technology really to read and record the resolution specs that we have today on even the least expensive lens that you could buy your kit lenses. So with that said, and not changing the lens mount, Nikon, being a photojournalist camera, really stepped up to the plate in flash. They've always been, in my opinion, ahead of the game in the flash. Until recently, and I'll explain why. Their Nikon system with the Nikon um, creative, is it creative system? Creative lighting system, where I can use a pop-up off of my camera to control multiple flashes from the camera position. Okay, I don't have to go run back and forth to the flashes and change anything on them. I can change it from camera position. It's absolutely incredible. I still use it today. We shoot that way so much, especially at weddings. I can take a flash. I can put it in the um, remote mode. I can toss it somewhere. The flash on my camera or my pop-up can control that other flash. Now, these things are line of sight. So if you're outside in bright daylight, you're going to have some difficulties. The workaround with that is the, oh my God, amazing radio popper system. It is great. It doesn't care. The system, when they did this system, I, I have two of the units and I'm, they don't pay me anything. They're not, they don't even know who I am, honestly. The radio, if you do not have a radio popper system, you need to go get one. I'm telling you right now, I have multiple sets of triggers to do multiple things, but the radio popper system for ETTL if you're Canon or ITTL if you're Nikon is absolutely incredible, foolproof. That's the best word I can say for it. It doesn't try and create anything. All it does is read the pulse from the master slave, takes that pulse light, transfers it to a radio, sends it to the receiver. The receiver transmits that to a light that blinks over the flash receiver and bam, signals transmitted. It's awesome. I love the system. Well, Naya Cannon, I have to tell you, I my hat's off to you because your new 600 RT basically is that system with radio built in on a manufacturer flash. So... Nikon, please step up the game. Love you. I love my CLS system. I will continue using it with my radio poppers. But I got to tell you, if you can come up with a new Nikon, I don't know what model number we're going to be up to. I think we're up to like the 9, we're up to now, the 910, 920. We're kind of running out of numbers, to be honest with you. So we have to stop, I guess we're going to have to start to 1000. So that would be like the built-in radio transmitter in the flash. And then a radio transmitter built into the body of the camera. And I'm telling you right now, I'll never switch to another brand. Except for Fuji. I kind of have a little love with my little Fuji X100 right now. So anyway, so that's where we are. That's that's what it is. That's my thought on how the systems kind of came to be where they are. Why do I use Nikon? The flash system. And the ability to use any lens 
with very, very few exceptions, in the Nikon inventory, all of the glass, all of that glass, I can strap my brand new Nikon camera and go use it for a professional photo shoot anytime. It may not be the best way you want to operate. You might want to buy the the best autofocus system you can. That's, that's fantastic. To me, I love Nikon. Canon has got some incredible advances in video compared to Nikon, but I still am a still photographer. I still am a still photographer and a still photographer that prefers Nikon and uses flash 99% of the time. I am an available light photographer. If it's available, I will use it from an iPad to a flash <clears throat> to a candle to headlights on a car, whatever I can, I will use. So I hope you enjoyed this little trip down memory lane. And even though we don't have the banter back and forth with Jim, I think 30 minutes is long enough for you to hear my voice in the bathtub. So I am going to get out of this mess because tomorrow is another beautiful day of work. And please look for us on iTunes. And if you like our podcast, please rate us. We don't have a single rating except for the one I put up there. So please, those ratings are important. Tell your friends about us. And we really, really want to hear from you. So thanks so much for listening. And please stay tuned to another Photo Facts episode very soon. Thanks a lot and Merry Christmas. Photo Facts.